Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the I Can Hear Music podcast. On this week's episode, it's pretty crazy. I welcome musician, singer, songwriter, rock and roll hall of famer, Richie Fure. For those of you who don't know, Richie Fure was a founding member of Buffalo Springfield. He was a founding member of Poco, and when they broke up, he was in the Souther uh, Hillman Fure Band. And then after that, he was in his own solo band, the Richie Fure Band. This episode was so much fun to do, man. Richie is not only one of the nicest guys in the entire world, but someone who I've looked up to for a long time. Um, We kind of talk about his entire career. We go through his early days, the days in New York City, Buffalo Springfield, the Poco days. We kind of go through everything. Um, What I discovered when I was doing this podcast is I was kind of really prepping before I talked to him. What I had never heard before was kind of his few albums from the mid to late 70s, his solo albums that he had done. And I really, really encourage everyone to listen to him because they are absolutely killer. Um, I've Got a Dream, Dance a Little Light, and um, I Still Have Dreams. I've been listening to them all week, and I can say nothing bad about them. They are really, really good. Um, I also encourage you guys to go to his website at richiefuratic.com and check out all of his tour dates because in June he's going to be doing a big tour, and I encourage everyone to go see them. The last thing I will say is uh, apparently neither of us are very good at technology. Um, he lives in Colorado and I live in LA. So we decided to do the podcast over Skype. I had never done one with that before. And unfortunately the audio gets a little wacky. Um, I don't know what happened with our connections, but, it, uh, there's like one or two points where you kind of miss a word that he's saying. And at one part, my microphone just kind of gets a little noisy and kind of overdriven. Um, I hope that doesn't distract it too much, but anyway, I really, really hope you guys enjoy this week's episode with Richie Fure. Okay, I'm just gonna start. That works for you. Sure, you got it. Thank you so much for doing this, Richie. I really do appreciate it. You taking the time and stuff. <laughs> so not a problem. So you grew up in Ohio, right? Um, uh huh. And what what got you into music in the first place? Like being in Ohio, like what was it? The radio, and what did you listen to? You know, it, it was the radio. Uh, I can remember specifically my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he bought my mom a tape recorder for Christmas one year, and I remember confiscating this thing, sitting in front of it was an it was an old Revere tape, big heavy duty thing, you know, mm-hmm. and sitting in front of the radio listening to W I N G Wingy Wing Dayton Ohio man, and just taping <laughs> all of these songs, and you know I, I don't really know where all the musical thing really happened. I know I asked my parents for a guitar when I was eight years old. I asked them for Christmas if they'd get me a guitar, and and um, you know it, that was really no one in no one else in the family really had a musical. Um, background or wanted to be in music or anything this was just something i guess that was instilled in me oh seeing ricky nelson on on television at on harriet show that was another big it was another big thing for me (laughs) that's really cool and so i want to ask you this so then you started playing what was the first band that you were in like how did that start well, um, actually, the first band that I was in, and I wouldn't call it a band that I was in, but, um, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, we had the junior high and the high school all in the same building. Okay. And when I was in junior high, I started singing with uh, a bunch of guys that were uh, in, in, in high school, 
And they and we became a little doo-wop band, and that's how my girlfriend and I got into the high school dances because we would sing a few songs at these high school dances, and I'd have these guys singing the you know the 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 doo-wop stuff, you know, like. <laughs> but um, the first band that I would have to say that I was really in was a little band uh, from college that I started, and uh, it was with uh, a friend Bob Harmelink and Nels Gustafson. And um, and we were, you know, we were really uh, like a, 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 a Kingston trio, Peter, Paul and Mary, uh, uh, that type of uh, little we'd go around and, and serenade all of the the, the uh, and all the college, you know, and that was where the first of it started. Wow, that's that's great. And then let me ask you this. Did you end up moving to New York City? Because I know you were in the, mm -hmm. the Go Go yep. Singers, right? So right. how did that come to be? Because Stills was in that band as well, right? Yes, he was. And, um, well, it came from this group that I had in college. And we were, um, we were going to do, well, actually, we did, uh, an a cappella choir tour of, um, of New England. Okay. Uh, interestingly enough, though, um, I had, uh, around Christmas time of my sophomore year in college, and that was the year that we went, uh, I had a, uh, my appendix ruptured. Oh. And I dropped out of, I dropped out of school. Okay. And I thought, oh man, there, there goes my, all of our hopes, you know, we, cause we were all planning on, we had, we had a day off, a Saturday off, and we were going to go down into Greenwich village and just start knocking on doors and telling people, you know, how much they would miss if they didn't hear us sing, you know? <laughs> well, as, as it turned out, I, I talked, um, the school into allowing me, uh, to participate uh, in the in the tour, even though I didn't uh, finish out my my second year of college, they if I if I would I signed off and then you know made enough rehearsals, I went on tour. Uh, we went on I went on tour with them, and that is actually how uh, Bob and Nels and I we did. We went down into Greenwich Village on a Saturday night and we ended up playing in four folk clubs, and it was a bug for me, you know. And I told them I told the guys, you know, because they were going back to school. I said, hey, let's go back, let's come back this summer and give this thing another try and when we got back in the summertime uh one of the little clubs that told us we could come back and play and what a big deal this was man sure you can come back and pass the basket <laughs> around to the tourists you know uh -huh. well when when we did get, when we did get back there steve was uh steven was already uh, back there in the summertime and he was um he was doing the same thing, and that's where we met in this little club, club called the Four Winds on West Third Street in in, uh, in in New York, down in Greenwich Village. Oh, that's crazy. What was the music scene like that then? Like, who else was around when you guys were playing down there? You know, it's interesting because there was a lot of music that was changing at the time. We really got there at the tail end. And I'm trying to remember um, a bunch of the guys that might have still been back there at the time. But folk music was really winding down. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that was really starting to happen and just a few months later, you know, uh, John Sebastian and the Love and Spoonful would be yeah. starting with the electric guitars down at the Night Owl. And so we caught the real tail end of... Um, uh, of the New York City folk scene, if you want to know the truth about it, yeah. Right. Did you become friendly with the Loving Spoonful? Um, yeah, later on in, in time, you know, I wouldn't say that we were what you would call friends, but we were certainly acquaintances. Uh huh. That's great. And then, so, Stills, there, you're doing that. What made you guys move out west? What ended up happening with that? Well, when we started that big group called the Agogo Singers, uh -huh. there's like 10 people <laughs> and, in there. Uh, <laughs> 
we, we, we made a record for roulette. We did an off-Broadway play down on uh, um, uh, Sullivan Street, I think it was. Uh, we did a, a supper club tour of Texas and a Rudy Valley on Broadway Tonight TV show all in about six months' time. And then uh, when the group, um, when we finished up our, our supper club tour of Texas, the group broke up. Oh, okay. And uh, Stephen, Stephen went off to California at the time, and um, I stayed back in New York City. And then actually, because, um, you know, man, you, you want to eat. Yeah. And so I looked for a, <laughs> I looked for, I, I looked for a job, and, and I had a cousin who was a, an executive up at Pratt & Whitney Aircraft. And I went up to Pratt & Whitney Aircraft to actually start working so that I could come back and forth to New York City to do mm -hmm. inter, um, uh, auditions and things. But while I was working up there, a friend of mine that lived across the street from me on Thompson Street, his name was Graham Parsons. Oh, no way. <laughs> and, um, and Graham had brought to me, he brought a record up for me to listen to that he had just gotten, and it was The Birds' first record. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, I have not heard anything like this. i got to get a hold of Stephen. i got to find out what he's doing and uh, see if, you know, he wants to, you know, if he's starting another group, if he needs anyone. And so um, after after a while, I was able to get in touch with Steve, and he said, come on out to California. I've got a band together. All I need is another singer. And I said, I'm, I'll take care of my business back here, and I'll be right out. <laughs> and um, interestingly enough, when I got there, Stephen and I was the band. No, really, that's all there was? <laughs> there, there was nobody else. <laughs> In the meantime, though, when Steve, Stephen worked his way across Canada uh -huh. uh, with a part of the Go-Go Singers as their lead singer, and uh, in a little folk club up in Toronto, they happened to meet Neil, Neil mm -hmm. Young, mm -hmm. and that's where Stephen and Neil uh, struck up a friendship, and then uh, they told Neil to come down, that we had an apartment on Thompson Street that he could stay at if he wanted to come down and pedal songs, and one time when he came down to to pedal some songs down in the city, I was there, and that's where I met him, and so we had we'd met each other, and then interestingly enough, as the story goes on Sunset Boulevard, yeah. um, you know. Neil and Stephen, I mean, Neil and Bruce had come out looking for Stephen and couldn't find him. Mm -hmm. And um, they had been looking for maybe about, I don't know, three, four weeks and were on their way uh, on the 405 to, um, I mean, down Sunset Boulevard to the 405 uh, to head to San Francisco. They were given up on the whole thing. And that's where we ran into each other on Sunset Strip. And, uh, and that was the rest of its history. That's how <laughs> Buffalo Springfield then got together. Yeah, and then that's such a crazy story, and that's a true story, huh? I've always heard that. <laughs> it, it is a true story, and it's amazing, man, because it was like we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have yeah. computers, we certainly couldn't Skype one another. You know? <laughs> of course not. And and then you guys started. I I don't know if this is how it went. You guys practiced for a few weeks, right? I read I've read a couple books, and you had a, an apartment somewhere, and you guys rehearsed, and then you got your first show at the Troubadour. Um, I guess it was the Troubadour, and that's really vague to me because the really first gig that I remember us doing was at the Whiskey A Go Go. Okay. But uh, you know, I, I, I have read, um, I have read things about us starting at the uh, at the Troubadour that somebody got us in down there. I and and James, to tell you the truth, man, it's kind of like a vague. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's vague to me after all of these years. <laughs> of course. Um, and, and the Sunset Strip scene then was pretty was going pretty strong, huh? There was. 
Oh yeah, there was so much going on, man. It was it was so cool. It was such a wonderful time to be making music too, man. I mean, we had friends in the Beach Boys who I just saw last week. Um, oh really? I, just, I didn't. I did. Yeah, saw Brian and, mm-hmm. and Al, and uh, and some of the guys that that were in the Wild Honey uh, Orchestra that oh, were back there, and it was it was really uh, a, a lot of fun. Um, you know, the Turtles. I lived mm-hmm. with Mark Volman for a oh, while. Oh really? <laughs> um, yeah. We were doing double bills at the whiskey with the doors mm-hmm. and with um, the leaves and love. And, and it was just a great scene at the time. Everybody seemed to really connect with one another. It didn't uh-huh. seem like there was a lot of competition. It was just more, hey, man, we're just in this together, you know. Yeah. The birds doing doing tours with the birds. I mean, after after Graham brought me the birds record and then meeting Chris and Roger and I mean, he was Jim at that time, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, David Crosby and, and Gene Clark and Michael Clark. I mean, it was like, wow, this is cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. What was now during this time with Buffalo Springfield, what was your relationship mm-hmm. with everyone? Was everyone getting along at this time? And was it was it fun, you know, the beginning there? You know, the first six weeks of Buffalo Springfield were, quote unquote, together yeah. when we were. Uh, basically the house band at the Whiskey A Go Go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was a time that, yeah, we were. It seemed like we were really close, and that was the best, as I can remember, uh, Buffalo Springfield ever being, was mm-hmm. that, you know, that six-week stint that we did at the, at the Whiskey A Go Go. And, yeah, I would, say, I would say we were friends. I mean, and I would like to say that we're still friends to this day. I mean, there's a little frustration, yeah. you know, that has developed over the years, but nevertheless, um you know what? I, I, I consider Stephen and Neil to be my friend. Um, at, when you were doing that um, at that time, who was writing for that first album? Because I don't know if you don't have any songs on the first album, right? I don't have. Uh-uh, I don't. So was it mostly? Neil and Stephen were yeah, very prolific. Doing that. What's, what's your favorite Buffalo Springfield album out of the three of them? Uh, I, I think the second album, the Buffalo Springfield Again. I really like and, that album. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not so much, you know, because I have some songs on it, but I, I just really like the, the songs on those a lot. Although I do in sets that I play today, I, I still play Go and Say Goodbye in our set. We worked at my band has worked out a little version of it. Really? I do a medley of the three songs that I sang on the first Buffalo Springfield album of Neil's. But um, I just I just like the way that that second album flows, even though it wasn't the cohesive band that made the first album. I still like mm-hmm. the second one the best. Now, let me ask you this, because we were actually talking about this before. So your song, A Child's Claim to Fame, right, on the second album. Um, did, uh-huh. did James Burton play on that? He did. That's awesome. He that did really, play on that it. That is really, and, really cool. I know, and that was so cool for me, too. But you know what? I wasn't even in the studio when he put his part on that. Oh, I really? <laughs> I wasn't even, nope, I wasn't even there. Um <laughs> And I, a few years ago, I think it was about four years ago, I was invited down to his little event that he has down in, uh, where is it, Louisiana? I can't mm. even remember now, one of those southern states now. And so it was a good time to just meet James and to say yeah. hello to him and kind of reminisce a little bit on that because it was really Ricky Nelson I love her. I and James love Burton. <laughs> And James Burton playing, you know, he was he was his guitar player. I know on on those on those Ozzy and Harriet shows, man, and <laughs> and it was uh, it was just getting to meet him after that little connection. It was pretty cool, man. I got to tell you, that's awesome, man. He's such an amazing musician, that guy. You know. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then so after that, now 
the when did it start? Because I know David played with you at the Monterey Pop Festival, right? Like he played guitar. Uh-huh. Neil wasn't there, right? Yeah, that was one of Neil's uh, first times of bailing on us. Yeah, he did. He also bailed for the Ed Sullivan show too, huh? Or what I've read from one of the books. He, he bailed on. I think it was. A, I don't know if it was Ed Sullivan or if it was the Tonight Show, but one of those television shows. Yeah, he. Uh, he did. And, and, you know, those were the frustrating things. And uh, I'll tell you a little story. When we did our reunion about, what, five or six years ago, mm-hmm. um, we were at the Santa Barbara Bowl and we were playing Child's Claim to Fame. And uh, we also played I Am a Child in that same set. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, as I started the little lick, you know, the yeah. little uh, guitar, da 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 da, Neil yep. stopped me. He said, stop, stop, stop. Did you write that song about me? <laughs> it's like, oh boy, man, catch me off guard in front of 5,000 people, please. <laughs> that is, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> that is so funny. Did you have a good time at the Monterey Pop Festival when you played? Actually, I was just getting over tonsillitis, and it was a struggle for me, I remember. Oh, really? and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a little, it was a little difficult. I, uh, um, I mean, I, I remember the scene. I think there's a few photographs that are going along around right now with uh, standing in the audience there with uh, Jimi Hendrix and, uh-huh. and Mama Cass and, and some folks. I don't know if you've seen that photograph or not. I but, feel like um, I have, yeah. Uh, it it um uh it, it was it was a little difficult time because I just wasn't feeling a hundred percent healthy. Yeah, gotcha. And then let me ask you this: was was that when did you tour with the Beach Boys? Because I've seen. I know that you toured with them, right? Like at some point around then? Yeah, we did two tours with them. Uh-huh. Because I know it's funny. Um, I've seen them do – because they used to do Rock and Roll Woman at their shows. So that's kinda, That I don't remember. Really? Oh, there's – there's you can find you can find footage of it online of them playing Rock and Roll Woman. It's wow. Pretty, and they, you know, they, does Carl sing it? I want to say – yeah, I want to say it is Carl that's singing on that one. But it sounds great. Yeah. They do a great job uh. of that. So then around that time, so – but what year did Buffalo Springfield break up? 68, probably? Yeah, it was. We were together from 66 to 68, two years. It's, you know, it's amazing because all three of those albums are great. And just that's some, that's some output yeah, right there. Thank you. Know? you. <laughs> yeah, that's some really good output. <laughs> Thanks. And, and then just by the end of it, like, did you just, uh, did all of you collectively decide it was kind of over or did it just kind of fall apart? Well, you know, um, for me, I told myself in my heart of hearts, I said, as long as Steven's there, I'm there Mm -hmm. because he was the heart and soul of Buffalo Springfield. I mean, don't let anybody fool you on that. He was he was the heart and soul. And um, I I said, as long as Steven is there, I'm there. And when when we did that last show, um, I believe it was in May of 1968 in Long Beach, California with the Moody Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our last show, and we basically knew going in. I knew going in that Stephen was, you know, he was done with it. Jimmy and I had already talked about, um, you know, when the day came mm-hmm. that we would, uh, Jimmy Messina and I, yep. that we would start another band. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what happened. You know, the band, you know, Stephen just decided, you know, hey, I, I, enough is enough, and I'm out of here. Yeah. And uh, let's call it quits. And so from there, yeah, we just kind of called it quits. Well, that's actually a perfect lead up to the next question I was asking you, and that's right when you formed Poco, right? Right. Uh huh. And how did you meet Randy Meisner? Where where was he from? Well, there was a friend of ours out in California uh, who was kind of like a, a, a roadie guy, mm-hmm. and uh, he introduced us 
Um, he, he knew this group called the poor that was living down the street from us. I think they were living down on Western Avenue. And mm-hmm. uh, as we were, as Jimmy and I were auditioning people, I mean, Rusty Young was obviously the first person that uh-huh. we decided, hey, man, this guy fits right into the groove that we want to do. And he brought George. And um, so this guy uh, introduced us to Randy when we started looking for a bass player. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually introduced us to Timothy, too. Oh, really? And yeah, and we we auditioned both of them, I think, on the same day. Really? And um, it, it was kind of um, an, an interesting thing, you know. I mean, uh, we obviously ended up with uh, with Randy as as our as our first choice. Mm-hmm. Just going through a bunch of oh stuff, you know, yeah. that you got boxed up for years, and I'm talking years ago. And mm-hmm. I happened to come across this little letter. And it was from Timothy, uh-huh. and he 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 wrote to me, and he and he said, Richie, thank you so much for the opportunity to audition for the band. Um, I don't know what decision is, but I know whatever your decision is going to be, it's going to be the best one. And I just want you to know, thank you for letting me let me audition for the band. Oh, that's so and, cool. And um, I, I actually. I actually framed the letter and sent it oh. sent it off to him a couple years ago. You know, because oh, uh, awesome. that was the beginning. That was the beginning of his too. Yeah, Timothy and I have really maintained a, a, a very. I played three shows with him last year. Mm-hmm. Actually, I played with him out in California at the Saban Theater. See, I wish um, I, I wish I would have gone to that show. That would have been great. Because I I got I was, it was. A, Sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was a fun show. You know, it was really really fun. Yeah, because it's funny. That's how I got how I got to know you or your email address was from Chris oh, with Farmer. Chris. Yeah, because I do. Yeah, like, he's a nice Chris, guy. He's absolutely. A, he's a very very nice guy. He's a he's a good musician, a nice guy, sings very well. Um, oh man, Chris is great. You know, and he also knows another friend of mine, Jay Truax, that he's played some uh, some gigs with. So it was kind of a, a a cool connection. Yeah, Chris is a he's a really sweet guy. Absolutely, very talented. He's very yeah. Because I saw him, I met him because I did a podcast with Dean Torrance, and he does that with Dean. And then I got to know Chris a little that's, bit. That's right. That's exactly right. That guy really that guy gets around. He can do it, man. <laughs> Hey, I feel really bad, man, and I can't see you, and you can see me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Richie. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's happening. Um, so then how, you were in Poco for how many years? Quite a few years, right? For five years or so? Um, let's see. Uh, I was in from 69 to 73. You do the math. Yeah, four years. Yeah, four years. And, yeah, six. At, yeah, six we, I think we did six albums because I think Crazy Eyes, that was the last mm-hmm. one that I did. That was, uh, Yeah. And you know what's funny? When I was like looking through just the Poco albums, I listened. I hadn't heard this in forever. I listened to "Pick It Up to Pieces." That's a great album. I was listening to that all this morning, and um, and you did it. And Steve Cropper produced an album. He did. He produced an album called "From the Inside." We went down to Memphis and uh-huh. uh, recorded with him. That was right after Jimmy left, and right after we did uh, the Deliverance album, which my band is actually going to perform. The really? whole album when we go out in June. <laughs> really? Are you going everywhere in June? Well, I, I don't know where everywhere is, but we're <laughs> starting to book some shows right now, and hopefully we'll get to the West Coast because, yeah, we're planning on doing the whole Deliverance album. So I, I, I'm going to do one live album, and then we're going to record that live album again. <laughs> you know, you got to make, yeah. make the most out of it, right? <laughs> of course, of course, of course. <laughs> what was it like working with Steve Cropper? You know, Steve was just one of the nicest guys. Unfortunately, I think he got a bad rap from some of the guys. I don't know for mm-hmm. what reason, but 
I mean, listen, this guy is a is just a he's just a great guitar player. Brought you know some some different ideas and sounds to uh, uh, to the music. I will tell you that it was during that time, which was probably one of the most difficult times of my life, because my wife and I, who had been married, we'd been married for seven years. We were mm-hmm. um, uh, we were separated at that time. Okay. And um, we separated for seven months, and so it was a hard time for me working with him and get not not me personally, you know, mm-hmm. but just with the whole band and just the whole musical thing. Because it was a it was a it was a tough time, but Steve was a great guy. I enjoyed working with him, and I just uh, really respect him so much for the music that he's created over the years. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a big fan of his. Such a good guitar player. Yeah. Um, and then so absolutely, I had him. You and I had him play on a couple. Um, he played on my "I've Got a Reason" album. Oh, um, really? Uh, several years later. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I um, so then when Poco kind of. Or when you left Poco, then you started the the Fury band. Or no, you were in the Souther Hillman Fury band. Right? Souther Hillman, yep, yep, with JD and Chris. Uh huh. That's crazy. Was that cool getting to play with Hill? Was it cool being in a band with Chris after when you first heard him? You know, all those years later. Well, sure, because I mean, Chris Chris had really become a a friend, and um, and we we were we were definitely friends. JD, we didn't know really quite so well because David Geffen really put the band together on paper. Okay, because it was on and, Asi- uh, it was on Asylum Records, right? I think it was it on that. Uh huh. So that's that, right. And that and that was Geffen, right? That was his. That was yeah. That was Geffen that put that together, and so it, it was fun. But but again, the struggles that I had going on continued over. Um, you know, from that time, my wife and I did actually got back together after the Cropper um, album, mm-hmm. um, and then it was three years or several years later than that. Um, um, that we did separate for seven years after being married for, uh, for we separated for seven months after mm-hmm. being married for seven years. And so the Souther Hillman Fure experience was not really the best gotcha. experience in my life. Yeah. And what, what caused that? I got to, I got to, to record though with somebody that I really wanted to record with. And that was Richie Podler. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am not actually. Well, if you're familiar with Three Dog Night, oh, okay, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're familiar with um, um, uh, um, um, Steppenwolf, oh yeah, sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Richie was their producer. Oh, gotcha, and, gotcha, uh, gotcha. And he did produce the very first Souther Hillman Fure record, and then Tommy Dowd produced the second one, of which, my gosh, man, we had these great producers, <laughs> and we recorded the second uh, Souther Hillman Fure record right up here at uh, at Caribou Ranch, which was okay. it was about five miles from my from my house. Oh, that's and my <laughs> wife and I were separated, and I was just delirious at that time, wow. man. I mean, it was like not a good, not a good, not a good time. <laughs> gotcha. So did that? Did that? kind of caused some of the bands to break up or did you guys just decide to go your separate ways at that point yeah because i had i had to make a decision during mm-hmm. that uh, time of recording the second one uh, you know whether i wanted to really um put the effort to put my family back together or have a career and i i decided i wanted to put my family back together that's awesome and then so th- is that why you decided kind of to do solo stuff from then kind of after that so you could spend time with your family and kind of not be running all over the place yeah 
and it was a process. It wasn't just uh, it. It wasn't just it happened overnight. I went out to California and, and met some met some really fine musicians out there and mm-hmm. and some some good friends. They were pastors actually at a church. Okay. And um, it, it was just really um, um, uh, it, it was it, it was a process of getting this together because I really didn't want to get back into doing any music mm-hmm. that was going to distract me. From you know, really the the effort that I wanted to put forth to reconcile with my wife, and then the next thing you know, I'm you know I'm writing songs you know for an album, and mm-hmm. the and the next thing you know, it's uh it's here we are with Michael O'Martian and Bill Schnee doing I've Got a Reason. Yeah, I gotta I gotta tell you, man, I was listening to all like all of your solo albums for the past few days. They are killer, man. You got some really really good songs on those albums. Man, thank you so much for saying that. You don't know what that means to me because those albums were all so overlooked. It was I, just um I'm surprised that some of those songs I had never heard before and stuff because when I was I like your sound kind of I mean it's you still sound like you on it, but it it kind of evolved a little bit and sounds like of the times they're really good some of those albums. Yeah, thank you so much James. Oh, that, I, that really that I appreciate that, man, because I'm really proud of them. No yeah, doubt. I mean, you should be. And you know what's you know what's great about you. Um, what I love is that because even hearing you now, you you got you've kept your voice. You know, a lot of people haven't kept their voice, and you've you've kept your voice. <laughs> the Lord has been gracious to me, man, all the way. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. So let me let me just jump ahead now, if you don't mind. I kind of want to talk about the sure. Buffalo Springfield reunion tour. Uh huh. How did that like come to be? Like, what was? How did that start? Well, I got a phone call from Neil, and um, he said, "Hey, would you like to get together with Stephen and and uh, come back and we'll do the Bridge School uh, mm-hmm. concert back here and 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 you know uh, we'll just you know try to put a little band together again." And so yeah. um, I was all up for it and ready to go, you know. And he said, "Hey, let's let's give it a try." We had tried this in the '80s, and it was a train wreck. Oh, it okay. was like just <laughs> awful. But for whatever reason, you know, I felt like it was going to work. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, they got Joe Vitale and Rick Rosas, um, you know, to be the rhythm section. I knew, but I didn't know Rick. I was actually terrified to meet him because mm-hmm. I just didn't know what kind of a guy, you know, he was going to be. And he turned out to be just one of the sweetest guys I have ever met. <laughs> and I, I really uh, I'm so, you know, saddened that, you know, he's passed away now. Mm-hmm. But um, um uh, so it was a fun time, but yeah, it all started with a phone call from Neil saying, "Hey, would you like to do this? Would you be up for it?" And I said, "Yeah." Yeah, and, and I mean, some of those shows you played Bonnaroo right on that tour and stuff, or when you eventually went on tour with all that and stuff. So yeah, we yeah. did. That's cra- you know, I'm we just- actually did two. We did uh, we we did two shows um, at at um, um, for Neil's Bridge School. Then we kind of like took a break until the next spring, I guess it was when mm-hmm. we did. Uh, six shows. We did. Uh, we we played two shows in Oakland, two shows in Los Angeles, and two shows Barbara. And then ended up at uh, we, the last show that we did was Bonnaroo. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Was that so, was that a lot of fun being able to play for like you know kind of like a di- it's cra- just a different generation or multiple generations of you know that know your music. What was really cool was you know as we're looking out at the audience and it was like ninety thousand people. Now of course they weren't all there for us because yeah. they had multiple stages and all. But as we're looking out at the audience, man, I'm watching these kids, man, mouth our songs as we're <laughs> singing them. It was like they knew them. It was like yeah. you're kidding. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you realize this from being on the inside of it, but I mean, Buffalo Springfield is a pretty, pretty revered band among most people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of, yeah, it, it was, yeah, left a mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. In two years, that's amazing. So, the one thing about the reunion, which mm-hmm. really was important for me, was I think it gave me an opportunity to just satisfy my own inner self yeah. that. Being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997, I contributed more than I didn't ride into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just on Stephen and Neil's coattails. Yeah, you know, no, I mean, I think, not, and I needed, yeah. I needed that uh, actual time of performance because it, it just gave me an opportunity to say, "Look, and here I am, and I'm contributing," and and I think it was um, it was well received in that regard. Yeah, that's amazing that you you are. I didn't even mention that you are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You, you know, I got to say, this is uh, I know this is kind of weird. I know that Neil wrote this song, but one of my favorite Buffalo Springfield songs is um, um, "Flying on the Ground Is mm-hmm. Wrong," and I love your voice on that song. It is uh-huh. it is such a good song. I have actually I watched, I watched a couple of live videos of you playing that recently in the past few years, and it still sounds amazing. So now, so now, thank what, you. Yeah, yeah that's one of the in the in the mid. Go ahead. <laughs> no, sorry. So what? So now you're going. You're going to start touring again with your band coming up soon. Yeah, I have a little band, and uh, we've been waiting for my daughter who plays with me. She just had her fourth daughter. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, so yeah. she's got four kids. She had them about a month ago. So we've yeah. just taken some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started off this year doing a Moody Blues cruise, uh-huh. and. Um, and then uh, played a few shows uh, back um, back on the East Coast, one with Dave Mason, then did a couple oh, things really? on our That's own. Cool. Yeah, and now we're um, just waiting for her to recuperate and, and uh, to get settled in, because this will be the second time now that we've done tours with her taking a little baby on the road with us <laughs> and so. But, um, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, we're hoping... You know, to take um, you know to take things to the west coast, to the east coast, to the middle of the country, to wherever we can get to play. You know, because I've got a really good band. I am so so proud of my band, James. I can't tell you. I mean, live, it's um, it's just awesome. So, so it's it's fun playing. And my guitar player, uh, his son plays bass with us, uh-huh. and uh, then my daughter sings. So it's kind of like a family band, and that's what really makes it special for us today. You know, for mm-hmm. me, for sure. Yeah, getting to spend time—that's that's amazing, man. Well, Richie, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and us getting to line this up finally. <laughs> hey, there you go, for sure, James. And thanks for being persistent. Of course. And. Um, Hey man, hope to see if we come out to the way. Um, I don't know how close you you know are to like we play at the coach house every once in a while. And yeah, I I live um, I live right up the street from the Hollywood Bowl, so I'm right in. Oh okay, right, right in Hollywood. Trying to know where you are then. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Hopefully, I will actually I will stay in touch with you, and hopefully, I get to meet you when you come out here. Sounds good, man. Right, hey, th- thanks a lot, James. Thank you talk so to much, you. Richie. Okay, I'll talk man. To you later. Bye. And that was this week's episode of the I Can Hear Music podcast with Richie Fure. Please be sure to follow me on iTunes or on Stitcher and leave a review. And also go to my website at ICanHearMusicPod.com where you can find all my links to social media. And I hope to see you next week on the I Can Hear Music podcast.